think, in your bulletins. <clears throat> that is a series that I've been dealing with for a few weeks. Actually, I think a few months is probably the better description. We have taken a, a, a rest, a, a pause in our study of 1 Corinthians. And my plan is possibly in two weeks we'll pick up 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1. So that's the plan. But what we've been deliver, what we're, what I've been dealing with is basically a, a, a several months study on one word, delivered. And I entitled this series for Christians only. And those of you who were with us a few months ago when we first started here, I started with a text out of Galatians three, said, "Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you?" What you have begun in the spirit, you now have perfected in the flesh. And I see many Christians today who are doing this, who are literally trying to perfect themselves in their own efforts and their own energies. And so I've been dealing with grace. What is grace? We sing Amazing Grace, uh, and everybody loves that song. But I believe that may be one of the most understated terms that we've ever sang. Amazing Grace has not really covered what has happened. And so in this series, I've been dealing with what has God really done? What has He done? And what do we do? And that's what I've been looking at. And today I want to look at, uh, we'll start out in 1 John chapter 5. And then I'm going to try to take a great big bunch of stuff that you have been studying with me for months and wrap it up in one package and then in the next couple of weeks I will deal with God's grace in our suffering okay and then we'll be done and those of you who've been through the whole series will be without excuse <laughs> you like that didn't you <laughs> Okay, let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into 1 John 5, 4 and 5, but uh, we're going to cover a lot more ground than that. Father, I ask that now that you would uh, give us ears to hear, that, Father, our souls would be laid open to you. In the power of your Spirit, you would strengthen us, that, Father, the power of your Spirit, you would hold us in such a way, Lord, that this deliverance that has come upon your people would be oh so apparent. And Father, I just pray that we hear you this day. Father, speak loudly to us all. To the glory of our Savior. Amen. <clears throat> For Christians only, a life of grace. And um, this is an amazing text, and yet it's a, a heartbreaking text for me. And one of the reasons that I stepped into this, well, there are several reasons, but one of the big reasons that I've stepped into this text is, in this study, is that why do we have such a difficult time identifying Christians? When the Bible is very, very explicit on who is and who isn't. And, it, and it, you don't have to be a deep theologian to understand this. This is, uh, uh, it's very straightforward. One of the things that, it, that has troubled me uh, is the Bible is extraordinarily clear. Uh, God doesn't sort of mystically hide in between some coded understanding of what he's saying. He is very explicit in what he says. Um, he understands that you and I cannot handle things that are veiled. But I also understand that natural man does not understand the things of God. And so when I started this, uh, part of the reason I started this is that if you took just 1 Corinthians and studied it, especially to where we're at, we just finished chapter 11, you would end up with a whole army full of legalists. 
You would have a whole bunch of people running around saying, marry, don't marry, don't divorce, divorce, uh, don't divide, be united, do this, do this, do this. And you'd run around with a bunch of frustrated people. Because I see it on a daily basis. People take the word of God and then they go out and try to apply it. Well, let me share something with you. If you had the ability in your own energy to take the word of God, okay, and live it out, then Jesus didn't need to die for you. Okay? And I'll just give you one commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I won't even give you the second one. Jesus gave the second one. I'll just give you the first one. Go do that. Okay? Just go do that. Knock yourself out. Have a blast. Alright? And that's what I wanted to see. Because what we've seen as we've studied this is that God has delivered us. Please understand this. He's not delivering you. He has delivered you. You have been delivered. You have been removed from point A to point B. You're not in the process of moving from A to B. You're already there. And what we looked at is we have been delivered from darkness to light. And that's synonymous that you have been delivered from the lie to truth. If you're truly saved today, you have an overwhelming desire for truth. It should consi- You should not have to take a Christian and tell him he has to read the Bible. A Christian should want to read the Bible. Why? I have been immersed in a lie. I need to know truth. And there should be a desire in that child of God to have that. To have that truth. We looked at another text that said that we had been delivered from sin unto righteousness. We are right standing with God. Okay? And what we started a week or so ago was that we have been delivered from the temporal to the eternals. Okay? I am no longer in this kingdom. I am just passing through. I am passing through. I look at it as this way. I am here about my father's work. And when I'm done, I'm gone. Okay. I I remember somebody writing once that said that a Christian, a true Christian is immortal. You can't kill me until God says, well done, true and faithful servant. You can't do anything to stop me. You can't shut me up. You can't tell me what to do. I am right here. I am doing my father's work and I am busy about it. And I am invincible until my Lord says, your work is done. We also saw that in this temporal to the eternal, that this temporal has power. It has lust of the eyes. It has lust of the flesh. And it loves to exalt pride. Okay? It has overwhelming desires to do this. But we also saw that in Colossians chapter 2 verse 20, that the most brilliant Ph.D., the most brilliant philosophers, the most brilliant thinkers that the world has ever produced are in elementary school when it comes to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And that the average Christian, the newborn babe in Christ, is above the elementary teachings that this world has. Okay, and I want to kind of, you'll see how this plays today, but I want us to kind of think about that. If I have been delivered... Okay, from the temporal to the eternal. If I have been delivered from this world into Christ's kingdom, what does that mean? How does that affect me? How does that look? How, does, how, do, how do I respond? What does that mean to me? Look what he says in verse 4. Remember what I'm talking about here. Can you tell if a person is a Christian? Look what he says. Whatever is born of God. You know what that's synonymous for? 
That would be a Christian. Okay? Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. Our faith. You've heard me say it before. What are, what are Christians called to grow in? Well, what about perseverance? Nope. Perseverance will come. Guaranteed. Have you ever heard that? Don't pray for patience. Okay, because you'll get it. I don't have to pray for patience. Why? I do have to pray, help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. What would that be a reference to? Contrast to belief, which would be faith. Okay? Whoever is born of God overcomes what? Overcomes what? The world. That's the cosmos. That's the order. That's the system. Whoever is truly born of God, because they've been delivered from the lie to the truth, whoever is born of God has been delivered from sin to righteousness, whoever is born of God now overcomes what? The order, the system that exists. And you know what? You can't overcome the world unless somebody tells you about Jesus. I remember one time um, a person was asking for membership. In this fellowship, it's been a few years ago. Don't look around and try to figure out who I'm talking about because that's what everybody does. But part of membership is you meet with the church leadership and we discuss, when did you get saved? And how do you know you're saved? Why? It's just a lot easier as a shepherd to shepherd save people. It really is sometimes. Okay, but it really is. Anyway, this person sat down and began to share with them when they came to salvation. And here's what they told me. I was sitting in my room and two dark figures came into my room, shadows, and the one figure took my hand and put it into the hand of the other shadow and that was God putting my hand in Christ. And from that point on, I've been saved. Okay? So the other elders look at me and say, okay, Terry, what do you think? Um, what, what was that? Okay. Do I need to go down the line? He ain't ever described as a shadow. Ever. He's always described as light. And whatever happened to hear the gospel? Did, did, hello? You know, you know, well, I just thought, and needless to say, we did not accept them as member, but you still sit there and go, well, do you know what that's based on biblically? I do. You knew too. You misconstrue the definition. When you hear the word sensuality, what do you think of? Sexual things, right? Sensuality is your senses, your emotions. This person's, what they believed was their salvation was based on what? Emotions. God created emotions. Don't get me wrong. But God does not save you through emotions. He saves you through your intellect. We do not have a blind faith. I don't have a faith that just says I'm going to walk around and I can do anything I want and trample on snakes and play with lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. I have a faith that is built on a knowledge and an overwhelming love for Jesus Christ. Who is he? <clears throat> well, I, you know, I'm, I'm very, very humble. I don't believe you can ever really know God. Then why do you give me the Bible? Why did he give me that book? I don't understand that. Then you know who makes that statement? Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein wasn't saved. Okay, people say, well, you know, he made really profound statements. So? 
So what? God, Albert Einstein's belief was this. I believe, looking at creation the way I know it, there has to be a creator. I do not believe you are capable of knowing him. Guess what? He's not saved. Because he says, not only do I want you to know me, I want you to have an intimate relationship with me. I want you to know me as well as I know you. And he doesn't throw that out. Well, let's see if I can just frustrate the stew out of these people. That's how his plan. Nobody is a Christian who doesn't know the truth. Because if you don't know the truth, you cannot overcome the world. You cannot overcome the order of the system at which you are in. The mark of a Christian is... That truth and truth overcomes the lie. Truth overcomes the world system. Once there is truth, remember, you got delivered. Okay, Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. You've been delivered. Once there is truth, guess what happens to the Christian? The world no longer has an attraction to him. I heard it described this way once. When you get saved, it's like somebody comes in and changes all the price tags of everything around you. Okay, what did he mean by that? What used to be extremely valuable and important to you no longer is. Things that you didn't really pay that much attention to all of a sudden have become valuable to you and are more important to you. You know what I've learned? I listened to our... uh, I I grew up in um, the Rust Belt. I grew up in car country. Uh, I was in southern Ohio. Um, General Motors. You either went to work for General Motors or Armco Steel. And Armco Steel made steel for... So... And that, so it was, that was what you did. You either did, you did one of them two things, uh, and then there's me. We won't go there. But anyway, but that's what what you did. It was that was where it is. And I listened to what's going on with General Motors, the world's largest car producer, and their stock is this, and their retirement pensions are this, and they're falling apart on this, and they're falling. Their end health and care is this and that and the other. And you think about it. My uh, stepfather retired from General Motors. And I'd give anything to have a retirement plan like he's got. Okay? Um, and, and health insurance. I mean, he's retired and gets raises. I'm still trying to have... You retired and you get what? Raises. But I... Anyway. But anyway, but it, that's... But if you look at here, listen to the news, that's part of what's killing the company right now. They've got too many people retired. And they have... Contracts said they have to do these things. And the, the first word that you'll hear out of their mouths was, but you don't understand, I invested how many years, how many hours of my life for this company, and they owe this to me now. Okay? What are we investing in? You know, I found that there's one thing, there's only one thing in this world that you can invest in and you can guarantee eternal redemption for what you've invested in. That's the souls of people. It's the only thing. Anything else is temporal. It's temporal. A victory for a Christian, if you want to have a victorious Christian life, is very simple. You overcome the world. That's your victory. The world no longer attracts me. Why? I'm a Christian. Why? It's passing away. It won't last. If you don't believe truth about Jesus Christ, you're not delivered. Look what verse 5 says. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, you have to believe in it. Jesus wasn't a nice guy. 
Jesus wasn't a great philosopher. Jesus wasn't even a prophet. He did those things. But let me tell you something. Jesus is the Son of God. Period. And it says, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. We like to do that and say, see there, all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. Well, I used to work in construction. And they all called on Jesus' name. Moment by moment, they called on Jesus' name for all kinds of things. Okay? But see, what they're missing there is, what does it mean when it says the name of Jesus? The name is all that He is. You got that? And you know what His first identification is? I just read it in Ezekiel. Lord. You know what that means, right? He doesn't negotiate. He is Lord. He doesn't negotiate. He's Lord. He's just Lord is all. Okay? If I've been delivered from the lie to truth, if I've been delivered from sin to righteousness, if I've been delivered from the temporal kingdom to the eternal kingdom, then I have been moved from one king to another king. When I was in the old kingdom, who ruled? You sure it wasn't you? No, it was Satan. Always Satan. And Satan rules you by your flesh. Why? He had a great weapon. What was it? Death. Death. Let me give you the fear of death. And I can make you do anything. And he says, no. The chains of death have been shattered. Why? Because I'm just in the temporal. If you don't believe truth about Jesus Christ, you're not delivered. You must hear truth to be delivered. Did you know that? If that's not true, then why did he tell us that we must go into all the world and preach? Okay? Yes, I know what he does. But I know what we are to do. Do you understand it doesn't say that the preacher needs to go into all the world and preach? Because that's true, I'm way behind schedule. But it says, as we are going, our lives should be preaching. Our lives should be saying to people there's something different. He uses the word here, overcomers. I love this part, overcomers. Um, It's the word Nike. You know, the swoosh. That's what it is. It's Nike. And it literally means to overcome, to be a victor or a conqueror. I like that. You know how I can tell a Christian? They live victorious. They live like conquerors. The world don't master them. They live like they are winners. Look at some Christians today. Okay, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 37. This is what he says, the Apostle Paul. But in all these things, and I'll deal with that in a minute. In all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Okay? Overwhelmingly conquer. Epinike. You know what that means? Mighty conquerors. It isn't even, well, that one was a close one and I think you won. It wasn't that you won by a fraction of a nanosecond. It says there's no doubt in anybody's mind they have conquered. They were victorious. They were overcomers. What's he talking about? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? 
God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes. Rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us. Do you get that? Only Christians have access to that. And we Christians, because Christ died, raised again, and is only interceding for us. And it literally means He's our lawyer. He is before God saying, you can't hold that and guess that one, that one's mine. No. Why? What did He say? Who brings a charge against you? Okay, who will separate us from the love of Christ? I just don't feel loved. Who will separate you from the love of Christ? Look at Christians who are, I just feel so depressed. I feel so anxious. I feel this. But who can separate you from the love of God? Peter says, love only covers a multitude of sins. That's all. And who can separate you from the love of God? Who can condemn you? Look what it goes on and says here. Who will separate you? Will tribulation? Anybody here suffering? Things just ain't quite going right? Your retirement? My 401k was in the stock market and mine was all in uh, dot coms. And I'm worth a negative 900. Huh? Is it based on your job? Is it based on your spouse? Is it based on your kids? Is it based on your education? You in tribulation? Will that tribulation separate you from the love of God? How about distress? Persecution? Famine? Couldn't be famine. We just got done with Thanksgiving. Famine? How about nakedness or peril or sword? Do you see what he says? You know what it means by the sword, right? That doesn't mean they're slapping your wrist with the sword. Sword means they are killing you. If they kill you, will that separate you from the love of God? It is just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered sheep to slaughter. But in all these things, overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. It doesn't really matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what tribulation you're in. It doesn't matter what distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword you're in. A true child of God has been delivered from the temporal. All of those things you see there are temporal. If it is tribulation, it is temporal. If it is distress, it is temporal. If it is persecution, it is temporal. If it is famine, it is temporal. If it is nakedness, it is temporal. If it is peril, it is temporal. If it is the sword, it is temporal. And I don't live there. I'm only passing through. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a sojourner. I'm on my way through. Overcome is the title for a Christian. In Revelations chapter 2 and 3, seven times referring to Christians, they are referred to as overcomers. Romans says we are super conquerors. One of, the, one of the things of our faith is that we conquer this system. This evil domain we've already defeated. We've defeated its lust. We've defeated its pride. We've defeated its sensuality. We've defeated its covetousness. We've defeated its egotism. We've defeated it. It has no master nor traction. We are not sensual in our practices. Sensual. We are not sense-bearing in our practices. We, yes, we have emotions. Absolutely. But they do not master us. I mean, if you think walking with Christ is just happy, it's skipping through life with a big grin on your face, therefore you're saved, you're crazy. Jesus didn't walk through here that way, did he? And he says, if you are my disciple, you will follow me. Follow me. 
I mean, if you base salvation on happy, happy, joy, joy, what are you basing it on? Your senses, your emotions. This society that you live in, this world that you live in, is running at a mad dash for every sexual fulfillment, for every materialistic possession and passion. It is clinging to everything that it can see, and it is turning beauty into self-indulgence. And it encourages all to follow. In the midst of it, They're doing everything they can to elevate their self-esteem. That's what the world does. Did you know that? That's what the world does. I want sexual fulfillment. I want materialistic passion. I want everything that I can see. I want to turn every beautiful thing into a self-indulgent. And when I get it all, I want to elevate my self-esteem. That is what the world says is success. And we Christians, you know what? We see something that is beautiful. You know what we do? We give praise to God for it. Why? It's not self-indulgent. It's not self-indulgent. It's just beautiful. That's beautiful, Lord. That's just beautiful. I remember sitting in Caesarea Philippi looking out upon the Mediterranean and it's really blue Mediterranean. And you're sitting there, I was in the ruins of one of Herod's uh, uh, amphitheaters. And just sitting up there, I I got up in the peanut gallery of the uh, amphitheater and I looked out across the Mediterranean and I just sat there and I thought, how awesome was this? But then I could look just catty corner down the corner of the amphitheater and I could look and you could see the pathway that they would have taken Paul as a prisoner and put him in Herod's palace dungeon just below the the main floor. You can see where he would have been incarcerated right there in Caesarea Philippi before they took him up to Rome and had to ship problems, all the rest of it. But you can see right there, I'm looking at this thing, how beautiful this is. And then I look and see where my dear brother Paul was marched and changed by Roman soldiers and held in Herod's palace jail. And you can just see it right, out, right there out of the corner. You see where it was, where Herod had his palace and where he had had the Apostle Paul imprisoned. And I can look at that and see the beauty of it. And then I look over there and I said, and they did that to my brother Paul. We are called overcomers. Listen. What I've just given you, i got to ask you a question. How can there be so much confusion about who is a Christian? How can there be so much confusion? If we've been delivered from the lie to truth, if we've been delivered from sin to righteousness, if we've been delivered from the temporal to the eternal, how can I not see that? How can there be confusion about this? If I've been delivered from the error to truth, then I have a full understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, forgive me, but I'm going to be very point blank about this. If you have to go take a class on how to share your faith, you might just try to get saved. I'm sorry. I I don't know the deep things of God, but I can tell you what he's done, what he did for me. And that is the good news. And if I have to go take a class to do that, Houston, we got a problem. We've got a problem. I remember the first person I shared the gospel with, I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue. I didn't understand the Trinity. I didn't understand the church. I didn't, under, I didn't understand why we had an Old and a New Testament. And I was still trying to figure out why do we have to have that story four times? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I didn't know, but this person sought me out. And when they found me, they said, you've changed. And I said, all I know for sure is there is no body in the grave. He claimed to be the son of God. And he said he did it for me. And that was it. Guess what that is? 
gospel. Well, you need to learn how to say, no, golly, if you need to learn how to say, listen, if you feel like you need to learn how to share the gospel, you come and see me. Okay, I'll give you the gospel, both barrels. I will. I don't, gee, many crack if somebody comes up to me and says, what is there about you that just seems so different? Well, let me share with you, brother. I shared with a Bedouin in Israel, and he says, you fascinate me. And he says, why? He says, I always get preachers on my tour bus. He says, and they're always wanting to give me a track. They're always wanting to tell me about Jesus. He says, you haven't said a word. He says, how's come? You haven't asked. He says, well, why do they all tell me I'm going to hell? Because if you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. Well, why do they say that? It says, because the Bible says that. How complicated is that? That ain't complicated. You don't have to get in. Well, I wonder if a trichotomous dispensationalist is prone to Gnosticism. Right? You don't have to have that. God didn't say, look, I got the gospel, but you can't find it. Under what shell is it? He doesn't do that. He says, I touched your soul. Go tell them. You know the gospel summarized in Corinthians 15? He is crucified, buried three days, raised, seated at the right hand of God. Why? Because you're a sinner and you couldn't find him with a road map. Okay, now, do I really got to go to school to learn that? They got schools of evangelism. I don't understand that. I don't understand. I'm not knocking that, but Jiminy Cricket's a true Christian. I've been delivered from the lie, from the truth. You should be intolerable. You should be intolerable. There's a guy on Fox News. Uh, I can't remember his name. The No Spin, O'Reilly. And he says, there's no spin here. Everything in life is spun. Except the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything else has a slant to it, a spin to it. Some kind of, let me try to twist this and make it sound right. And every time I listen to it, I wonder who what the, gee, many crickets, what are they saying? Okay, bad cholesterol, good cholesterol, some cholesterol, no cholesterol, heart attack, don't walk, run, jog. I don't know. What are you supposed to do? Well, you need to eat right. You know what my God says? My God says, give thanks and eat. That's what he says. Why? I provide it. Eat. You know what else he says? A little exercise benefits a little. Okay? But my gymnastics through the scriptures are very abundant. This isn't complicated, people. Listen. If I can read this thing and understand it, anybody can read it and understand it. I know. I don't even like to read. And I I really wish people understand it. If I have been delivered from the lie to truth, then you should not ever shut up. Well, that sounds like a lie to me. And I do it all the time. Well, you know, the earth is billions and billions and billions of years old. Were you there? No? Then how do you know that? Well, some scientist, was he there? No. Then why do you know that? Well, how old do you think it is? 5893. 58 million? No. 5893. Why? The farthest we've ever found man. Guess what? 5,000 years. Okay, before that, what was there? Well, there's goo and and let me tell you something. If the dinosaurs were destroyed by a glacier, how slow is a dinosaur? <laughs> Do you see what I'm trying to get at? We get this stuff and we want... I mean, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that Job understood that the planets were spheres. That's the oldest book of the Bible. Isaiah understood the hydrological cycle. We figured that out in 1900. Why? 
Why? Because we're so smart. No, because you're in a lie. I'm in the truth. Listen, you can go today and find out where they buried Buddha and you can see his grave. You can go today and see where Confucius was buried. You can go see where all these great... Where you can go see where... What's that guy's name? Muhammad is buried. You know what? I can show you an open hole and no body where Jesus was. And you know what's scary about that? Jesus took his detractors, his enemies, his adversaries, and he told them, I will use all of you to confirm my resurrection. And he did. He took the very discounters of who he was to prove who he was. And I know that. And you know why I know that? I started out a number of years ago, about 14 years ago. I need to find a contradiction in the Bible. And I started at the easiest place I knew was the best. The resurrection of Christ. That ought to be a piece of cake. People just don't get up from the dead. Guess what? Jesus got up from the dead. Not only that, he left. He can't be found. And I've seen it. They got, you know that they've got a, a headless body in the Vatican that they claim is John the Baptist? Well, I guess not. I guess you can't prove them right or wrong because got no dental record, huh? <laughs> Listen, if we had Jesus' body, we'd have a statue. Wouldn't we? I, I seen Lennon's body at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Don't ask. I seen his body. Guess what? That sucker is still dead. He's still dead. He hasn't gotten up. He still lays there and people pay money to go through and see his carcass. I've been delivered from sin to righteousness. Why? True Christian will live in obedience to the Word of God. You get that? It's not that they can, it's that they will. Why? Christ through them. I have been delivered from the, this pre, the, 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 the temporal into the eternal, this present evil age, this system of Satan. I am now in the kingdom of the King of kings and Lord of lords, the eternal kingdom, the one that has destroyed the one that is surrounding us. Listen, a Christian's affections... Are where? In the heavenlies. They're in the heavenlies. And I want to kind of wrap this thing back around again, okay? Because you've heard this, and I've put these pieces together. Our desire is for that that is what? Eternal. I have more passion for the eternals than I do for the temporals. Well, you know, Terry, I think you're overdue for a vacation. I do too. But my father, my boss says I'm not ready. Okay, now I want to take you back because this all wraps together. Go to Ephesians now. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. We all know this text. We like to cite it all the time and and just, you know, get saved. Just say this and you'll get saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a free gift of God. Okay, yeah, amen. Okay. Not as a result of what? Works. So that no one may boast. Where does boasting come from? I think they call that the exalted pride of life. Right? For we are what? His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. For what? Good works. Whose works would those be? God's. Which God prepared beforehand so that what would happen? We would what? We would walk in them. You know what's nice about that phrase? You're just going to walk in it. How many of you, when you get up and start walking, contemplate putting your right foot forward, making sure that your heel hits first, rolling it down so that the ball of your left foot will come up behind it and step and then raise that leg at the hip so that the knee bends, put that foot down so that the heel goes back down. How many of you do that? How many of you get up and say, all right, here I am. I'm going to lift my foot up there at the hip, lay it down, come walk. 
And you know what? That's what you're trying to do with Jesus. I gotta read your Bible. I gotta pray. I gotta be doing this. I gotta be doing that. And what you're doing is saying, I'm contemplating on what does it mean to take the next step. Paul says, you were created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God already planned and all you have to do is second nature to them. Nobody gets up and says, all right, how do I walk now? I'm standing and here we go. Why? I've been delivered from the lie to the truth. I've been delivered from sin to righteousness. I've been delivered from the temporal to the eternals. And guess what? All I have to do is walk. Walk. That's all. It isn't complicated. We like to make it complicated. But God says, you know what? I created you. You can't handle complicated. Chapter 1 of the letter to the Ephesians. Remember these words? Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, who has blessed us with almost every spiritual blessing? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know what he just said? What are you lacking? Well, if you've been delivered, what are you lacking? Nothing. I ordered a book. Okay? Too many Christians today believe that you order a book from a, a publisher and it comes to your house, it's coming one page at a time. It doesn't. You order a book from a publisher, you get the book. Okay? And he says, you have been blessed. Page at a time? Of every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies? No, you have. Past tense. Which one are you lacking in? None, but you may not believe in all of them. But you have already been blessed. But do you know what he's promised? Through tribulation, I'll strengthen your faith. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Look at verse 3. He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Read on. These are just verses that a lot of people don't like to read. So just act like they're not in your Bible, okay? Verse 4, just as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him, where? In love. Okay? Am I working on being holy? No. I pay attention to it, don't I? Why? I'm working on walking. There's a reason that He says, my dear children, technon, the Apostle John in 1 John, and then my dear young men, and the dear young fathers, There's a reason why. Because some of you's faith hasn't been tested. Let me tell you something about your faith. If you think your faith is based on your Bible knowledge, you're a fool. Because the greatest men of faith that I've ever read in my life, their writings showed greater knowledge of Scripture and who God was were the Pharisees. And I can count three of them that got saved. There might be more, but I know biblically three got saved. Okay, Holy and blameless before him, he predestined us as adoption. He uses the word adoption because in the Roman culture, if you adopt a child, you can never put that child to death. Roman culture said that the father, at any time that he felt that the child had dishonored the family name, he could have that child executed. Okay, Unless the father had adopted the child. Okay? Because then he made a willful decision to take that child. And he can't destroy that child. Alright, so he uses that term. <clears throat> that adoption of sons through Christ Jesus according to his kind intentions. Did you see why he adopted you? It wasn't your kind intentions. It wasn't your plan. It was because of his kindness and he had a plan. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. Okay, look at verse... 7. In Him, we have redemption. You know what that means, right? Bought from the slave trader. Bought from the slave trader. That's what the, When you see the word redemption, just think about a slave that's on a slave block, and whatever the master of that slave was selling that slave for, I'll pay it. Okay? So you have redemption through His blood. That was your price. That was what was charged for your behalf. His blood. 
the forgiveness of your trespasses, our trespasses, and how is great is that forgiveness? Only according to the riches of His grace. That's all. Just according to the riches of His grace. Okay? Look at verse 8. Now, the New American Standard has the best translation of this. Which He lavished on us. Do you understand that? We sing amazing grace. No, man, we didn't sing in lavished grace. Amazingly lavished grace. He lavished it on us. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. And Paul says, I don't think that's called lavish grace. Do you understand what's amazing about this text? He's not going to do this when you get to heaven. He's already done it. Why? Because you're no longer in the lie. You're no longer in sin. You're no longer in the temporal. That's lavished. He's given it to you. Back over to the left just a little bit to Galatians chapter 3. I want you to see this. Verses 1 through 3. Foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This one thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing by faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, you are now perfected by the flesh? Okay, you know what he just said there? How would you get saved? And what does it look like? It is by faith. Listen, I can tell where a person believes in. I've never met a human being in my 49 years of life that I can never, never, ever met a person who doesn't have faith. And it is very easy to see who they put their faith in or what they put their faith in. It's simplistic. There's no rocket science. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know Greek or Hebrew or or Aramaic. You don't have to know any of that. I can look at you and say, I know where your faith is. Oh, foolish Galatians. What was begun in the Spirit? You know what he's saying there. What begun and you didn't have no control over? Who saved you? God did. Why? Because he wanted to. So now you're going to be what? Perfected? Look at verse 7. Here's a Christian. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. That would be a Christian in case you're wondering what a son of Abraham was. Did you understand that Abraham wasn't a Jew? Okay. Canaanite. I love that fact. The Jews hate that. But that's Gentile to the 10th power. Okay. The father of the Jews was a Gentile. Okay. I want to take you back to one more text. Galatians, or not Galatians, Ephesians chapter 3. And this is where I want to wrap this thing up. All right. You ready for this? Ephesians 3, 10 and 11. You guys, you guys who have been here through this study, you understand where I came back to. I've taken a great big circle. And some people say, it's bigger than great big. Okay. It was huge. It felt like we took a lap around the moon. Okay, great big circle, huh? Okay, Christian, if you're a Christian, you have been delivered from the lie to truth. If you're a Christian, you have been delivered from sin to righteousness. If you're a Christian, you have been delivered from the temporal to the eternal. You have done this through the gift of faith, not of yourself so that no man can boast. Not only that, you were created in Christ's righteousness. You were created in God's workmanship. Why? Under good deeds so that God could manifest his glory to all that would see. And they're going to see this and say, how powerful is this God? He's taken them out of the darkness and of, of the pit and he's put them in the light. They used to just follow the light and love the lie. Now they love truth. They used to love sin and were mastered by sin and everything they did had a sin basis to us. Now they're right standing before you and that's the goal of their life. That's amazing, God. How did you do that? Not only that, they don't even live in this temporal cosmos anymore. They don't live in this world system no more. This system is not attracting to them no more. That's just amazing to me, God. Why did he do this? Look at verse 10. That the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church. Okay, that that would be where the Christians are. Okay, just just in case. Listen, I know people today who say I'm not interested in church and I have to question whether you're saved. Okay, sorry. Why? The manifestation of Christ is one place, one place only. The church. 
You've got to get a hold of that. The reason you can reach the lost is because the unity in the church is so powerful that the lost say, how'd you do that? And then we go back to evangelism school and we learn how to share the gospel. No. The unity comes from sound doctrine. Okay? Look what he says here. Good stuff. It is known through the church to who? The rulers and authorities where? In the heavens. You got that? The heavenly authorities. That would be the seraphim, the cherub, Michael, Gabriel, whoever else is up there. The third of the heavens that stayed in the holy places that Peter says long to understand this gospel. They look down on you and I and they say, whoa. They've gone from the lie to the truth. They've gone from sin to righteousness. They've gone from the temporal to the eternal. How awesome, how wise is our God? And you're telling me that you can't identify a Christian today? Then you're not saved. That's simple. I can identify a Christian across the street. Piece of cake. Why? They don't live in a lie. They don't live in sin. And the things of this world have no attraction to them. And the manifold wisdom of God is echoing up to the heights of heaven, and the angelic hosts are going, Wow. Wow. That's what we do. That's what we do. What God has done, that's what we do. You know what? I'm not done yet. Next week we'll start looking at His grace is so amazing, so lavished upon us, that it's even there in our suffering. Let's pray. Father, I give You the glory for Your Word. Father, the praise for Your precious bride, Your church. And Father, for a time of a season of thanksgiving. Father, your people are known as people of thanks. Father, may we understand that. Lord, these are tough times. Lord, you know that. But you showed us by your written word that it was going to be that way. You showed us what it even looked like. You showed us what to be aware of. And you showed us what to be warned of. And Father, you showed us where it began. Father, you showed us how it was going to work. And Father, you showed us how it will conclude. Father, let your children be children of the truth. Father, may your people hunger and thirst for your word. Father, not milk. But Father, may they dig deep. May they strive deep for a deeper understanding of who you are. Father, I just praise you for your word. I praise you for these precious souls. Lord, I lift them to before your throne. Father, may they walk worthy. May they walk only to bring honor. May we walk and be known as people of the word. But Father, may the world, the lost people, see us as the overcomers. In your power, in your wisdom, for your glory. In Christ's name. Amen.